So Matthew chapter 7 this morning, and uh, today we're finishing this chapter, which means we're finishing the Sermon on the Mount. This journey that we began at the beginning of the year, working our way through the greatest sermon, the most famous sermon by the most famous and greatest preacher in the history of the world. We've been working our way through this this year, and today we're concluding it, and Jesus, as he finishes this sermon, he brings it to a dramatic finish. And his closing is, it really begins in verse 13. We're focusing in on verses 24 through 29 today, but because his, his closing does begin in verse 13, I want to start by reading there, then we'll focus in on verses 24 through 29, the end of the chapter today. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, neither can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We believe that it is true. We believe it is true because you are true. There is no deceit in you. There is no lie in you. And this is your word that you have given to us to reveal yourself to us. Lord, in this sermon that you came and that you preached, you showed us how to live. You showed us the way to live. Lord, you dealt with our relationship to you. You dealt with our relationship to others. You dealt with our relationship as believers in you to the world around us. You showed us how to live this life that you have given us. Lord, you conclude today by, by this final charge. And I pray that you would press these words deep into our hearts 
that we would bring you glory with our lives and that our house would stand the storms of this life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is not a complicated message this morning. This text here is not confusing. It's not bewildering. It doesn't leave you scratching your head. You don't need to be a a scholar in Greek to figure out what Jesus is saying here. You don't need a PhD in theology to understand it. It really couldn't be more straightforward. And not only this section, really, the, the whole sermon has been that way. And yet, how few put these words into practice. It's not confusing. There was a, a famous uh, author, and I think it was Mark Twain who said this. I, I might be misattributing the quote, but the quote is this. It's not the words of Christ that are confusing that I've, I have a hard time with. It's the words of Christ that are plain and clear. And that's what we have here in the Sermon on the Mount. It is the clear and the plain language which, which, with which Christ speaks that doesn't leave any area of our life untouched. Not confusing, not hard to understand, yet few put these words into practice and few, how few actually obey the Lord. Here Jesus concludes this sermon that has touched on literally every area of our lives, teaching us how to live our lives. And he concludes it with a parable of sorts, a parable in which he contrasts a wise man and a foolish man. And he holds up in this story, he holds up in this parable, these two men, a, a wise man and a foolish man, and, and he wants us to see what the wise man does, and he wants us to see what the foolish man does, and, and the charge that he gives is, be like the wise man. Don't be like the foolish man in this story. In the story that he tells, both men build houses. Both men build houses, and and both men choose a foundation upon which to build their house. Both men suffer storms, calamity, tragedy, trials, tests. The storm comes to both men, both the wise and the foolish, but the outcomes are very different. The outcomes of the wise man and the foolish man could not be more different. The houses that they build in this story, it is a picture for our lives. Jesus is saying that we all have a life. We all have a life that we are living. And the foundation that he speaks of is the, the words, the, the ideas, the concepts, the philosophies that we build our lives upon. So the lives that we live, that is the houses that he's talking about, the foundations here is the words, the ideas that we are building our lives upon. 
What word or whose words are you building your life upon? What word is the foundation for your life? What, what words drive your life? What words influence your life? We use that term a lot, don't we, these days? In the, word of, we're in the, in the world we live in of media and, and social media, we have influencers. And what do they share? What, what do they use to, to influence? It's words. It's always words, ideas, concepts. Arguments, logic, reasoning, philosophies. Whose word are you building your life upon? What word is the foundation for your life? Whose words are influencing yours? Notice here the very beginning, Jesus, verse 24 and 26, he says, everyone, everyone. That is an all-inclusive statement. That is not leaving anybody out. Tell me, who is left out of that statement? No one. He uses it in both cases, both for the wise man and the foolish man, thereby encompassing everyone, making this a promise, making this a guarantee. This is for you. This is for everyone. Now, how many guarantees are there in this life? There's not many. Death and taxes. And then the words of Christ, he makes here a guarantee. Everyone, he says. Here's a guarantee from the author of life itself. Notice here, both outcomes are a guarantee. There's no escaping this reality in this life that we live. There's no third way. There's no fourth, fifth, and sixth option here. Jesus gives two. And here he says there's two types of people and there are two types of outcomes. And what is it that separates these two people? What is it that, that separates those who, who build their house on the rock from those who build their house on the sand? What, what is it that separates the wise man from the fool? Notice here, it's not the one who hears the words of God or, or the words of Christ or the words of this sermon because both the wise man and the foolish man hear the word. Notice that here in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine. Again in verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine. And so it is not the hearing of the word of God that separates the wise man from the fool. But what separates them is what they do with the word of God. What they do with the words of of Christ. Verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. You see, what separates the wise man from the fool is whether or not they obey the words of Christ. 
The wise man hears Christ's words and obeys them. The fool hears Christ's words and disobeys them. The difference is not in the hearing. The difference is in the doing. Again, not a complicated message. Doesn't take a rocket science scientist to figure this out. Jesus is communicating in a way that even the most simple of persons can grasp. From the youngest to the oldest, the issue is, do you obey Christ? Do you obey his word? Do you put it into practice in your life? Jesus compares the, the obedience of the wise man and the disobedience of the foolish man to two different kinds of foundations. A foundation built upon the rock that does not move and a foundation built upon the shifting sands. The shifting sands. You know, if you think about it, in Jesus' day, uh, they didn't uh, have the, the, the technology, the, the, the building materials, and the way that we are able to build a foundation. For them to build upon a rock, a solid foundation, what did they have to do? They had to get shovels out and dig, and dig, and dig, until they hit what? The rock. And there is where they would put their footing that would support the buildings. And you could either build on the beach, you could build on the sand, or you could dig. You could, you could press on, you could labor, you could put in intense effort. One was a lot harder to do, but the outcome was that when the storms came, when, when, when life hit, that the house would not fall. They had to dig and dig and dig until they hit the bedrock. It wasn't easy. It took a lot of work. And there when they hit the rock, they could put down their supports. And contrasting this and, and applying this to what Jesus is talking about, building a life. There are many today who are content with a surface level, superficial veneer of a Christian faith. They're, they're, they're content with the most shallowest of faith in Christ. A, a faith that doesn't go beneath the surface. A faith that doesn't dig down deep. A, a faith that is like the previous passage we looked at. A, a faith that is lip service only. A faith that is content to just call Jesus Lord but then walk out the door and never apply that confession to their life. There are so many today who are, who are content with this superficial, surface-level, cultural kind of Christianity. Well, I go to church. Well, that's, that's good. That's, that's not a bad thing. But does anything in here translate to anything out there. If it doesn't, you are a fool, according to Jesus. Don't get mad at me. 
I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. There's a reason why they hung this man on a cross. And it's not because he fed the poor. And it's not because he healed the sick. It's because he preached the word. All right? Anyway, he calls those who hear his words, but do not do them fools who are building their lives on shifting sand. God's word does not change because God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we live in the world that he made. So if anyone knows anything about how to live life in this world, it's God. Who doesn't change. Now, the culture we live in changes all the time. It's like shifting sand. And if you try to build your life on the whims of the values of our culture, what you will find is a house that is constantly in turmoil. Because the, 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 the foundation is always shifting. Th things that, that were perfectly acceptable five years ago are anathema today to our culture. Seemed, seemingly almost changed overnight. You know, really radical concepts like there's such a thing as little boys and little girls. Radical ideas. Anathema today. How in the world can you build a life if you can't even distinguish between male and female? Well, what kind of life can you build? What kind of house can you build? It's, it's shifting sand at, at, at the most aggressive of levels. If you try to build your life upon that, you have two pronouns, now we have three pronouns, now we have 40 pronouns, now we have 50 pronouns. How, how many pronouns do we need to add to our website? Now we need 107 pronouns. And they should just put the little infinity circle down there at the bottom. If you try to build upon that, it will never amount to anything because it's, it's just always shifting. It's always changing. Why? Because it's based on the sinful heart of mankind. But God's word never changes. God's word is that sure foundation. So many content, again, within the church, to have a superficial surface level Christianity. I go to church. I'm part of, I come from a, a Christian family. I'm a good person. Again, if you're only hearing the word, but you're not doing it, Jesus says you're a foolish person building your life upon shifting sands. You see, if you're not building your life on God's word, you're, you're building it upon a foundation that will be shaken. And Jesus here, he's, he's, he's not talking about those who are in the world. He's talking about those who hear his words. 
The greatest problem, I'm, I'm really getting into it now. The greatest problem in our culture today is not the pagans, it's the, the Christians. Who hear God's word but don't do it. Who, who know God's word but are too cowardly to live it. That's the problem, is the cowardly Christians. The, the Christians who, who know it but don't live it. The Bible says that judgment house starts, judgment starts with the house of God. That, that God is even in this day and age, I believe, pruning his church, purifying his church. So this, this type of surface level faith, it will not have the strength to withstand the storms of life. And this is why we see so many who claim the name of Christ capitulating to the doctrines of Satan and demons happening in our culture. They, they didn't have a life founded on the word. It was founded on the sand. It was only a surface level. It, it didn't go down deep. And so now we are living in a culture where the storms are, are all around us, where the wind is, is beating upon us, the, the pressures to conform are, are heavy, that, that we even face making sacrifices for our family. We have to, we have to decide, you know, am I going to stand for Christ or am I not out in the world knowing that it might cost us something, knowing that we might get canceled, knowing that we might be fired from our job if we don't, you know, check the box that we attended the diversity training that really indoctrinates you on the agenda that is antithetical to God and his world and his word. If I don't click this, I might lose my job. Christians are, are capitulating at an astonishing rate because they only had a surface-level faith that doesn't have the strength to withstand the storms of life. But here's what you need to understand from what Jesus says. If you think you can appease the storm by clicking the checkbox, you've got another thing coming. You cannot negotiate with the storms of this life. If you're not putting the words of Christ into effect in your life, if, if you are not applying them to your life, you are not building your life on a sure and solid foundation. You see, the foundation of a person's life and a building, that's the part that nobody else sees. Nobody else sees our foundation. We, we don't see that with our eyes. That's the, the hidden part. But God sees it, and God knows it, and it will be tested. Because the storms of life are coming. The storms of life are coming. N notice that the wise man is not immune to the storm. The storm comes for both the wise man and the foolish man. All of us will endure storms in this life. 
We will all go through tests. We will all go through trials. There's a horrible teaching that went around for a while. It's kind of falling out of popularity today because it's so obviously bankrupt of truth. But the idea is that true believers will suffer no trials in this life. That if you, if you have enough faith and you appropriate your faith in the right way, you will never go through any kind of, of trial. And, and thereby, if you are going through a trial, if you're going through a storm, if you're going through a test, it's because you have somehow opened up your life to the devil. You have sinned in some way, you have opened your life up to the devil, and you've given him a way that he can now attack you. Because if you have enough faith and if you live for God the right way, you'll never suffer harm, you'll never get sick, you'll always have plenty of money overflowing in your bank account, etc., etc. And the best way to, you know, they, these preachers who say this, the best way to ensure this is you send me money. And that'll guarantee it that you have this kind of faith. How convenient. See, is, is there anything in the Bible that might contradict that? Let's see, the most faithful man who ever lived died on a cross. The people who followed him most closely and faithfully all died martyrs' deaths, <laughs> penniless, naked, and poor. It's, that, that doctrine is anathema. It's, it's, it's awful. Nevertheless, there are many today who would believe it and teach it. Jesus says both the wise man and the foolish man, both those who build their lives on the rock and those who build their lives on the sand, will endure storms, will be tested. Notice he, here he says there is a rain, there is flood, and there is a wind. That means you, there are times in life where we feel as if we are being pressed on all sides. Pressed on all sides, the rain coming from above, the flood from below, and the wind from all sides. Have you ever felt that way? Have, have you ever felt like your faith was being tested at every point? But true faith, the Bible tells us, is only proven in the storms of life. We don't know what foundation your life is built upon until the storm comes. Everything is great when life is easy. The, the, the man who builds his house on the sand, the man who builds his house upon the rock, it, it looks like everything is hunky-dory until the storm comes. Your faith and true faith is only proven in the storms of life. And hear me in this, you will be tested in this life. The Bible says it. That's another guarantee. Slap that on your bumper sticker out there. The storms of life are coming, you know. They're here. James says, count it all joy when you face various trials of many kinds. Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation. Take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. Peter says that our faith will be tested so that its genuineness can be shown. More precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. That's how gold is refined. You, you heat it up. 
And the impurities come to the surface. And the metal worker scrapes those impurities off the top. And he heats it up again. Isn't that when the impurities in our life come out? It's not when everything's going great. Man, when things are going my way, I am the best Christian in the world. I am happy, I am joyful, I am generous, I am kind, I am loving. But when life hits the fan, when, when the storms of life come, that's when we find out where you built your house. And the storms are coming. God speaks to his people in the book of Isaiah. He says, behold, I have refined you. But not as silver, he says, I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. So the question for all of us is, when we find ourselves in the storms of this life, does our faith stand or does it collapse in the midst of the trial? If we find our faith collapsing in the midst of the trial, it tells us that we have not built our life upon the rock. It tells us that we have only heard the word, but we have not been doing the word. And it may be that you are here this morning in the midst of a storm, finding your life coming crashing down, and this is a warning to you, you have a superficial faith that is not founded on the rock of God's word. Again, the difference is found where? It is not in the hearing. The difference is found in the doing. In the doing. In the part that nobody else sees. I don't see your prayer life. I don't see your devotional life. I don't see your life in the word. I don't see your family life. All I see is you for 30 minutes, well, an hour a week. But God sees and God knows. And you know. Those who hear and who do. We've gone through this sermon at a, at a some would say a snail's pace. I'll say at a, at a, uh, at a pace, I say we went through it at a, at a pace that we believe that these words are from Christ and God himself. We, we have gone through them meticulously, leaving no corner, no stone unturned. Why have we done that? Because Jesus says that doing them, hearing them and doing them, is like flood insurance. It protects us from the storms of life. Listen, the reason I didn't just go through this sermon in three weeks, a chapter a week, is because I want your life to stand the tests of this life. I want your house. I want what you're building. I want it to stand under the floods, under the pressure. The reason we went through it at such a slow pace is so that we could let it soak into our hearts, that we wouldn't just hear it, but that we would do it. Because I know the pressure that you're under. Because I see the storms, not just today, but that are on the horizon. And I want your life to stand the storms and to withstand the storms. You know, there are many today who, who do not follow Christ, who ascribe to their own philosophy. They would say, I'm, I build my life not on anybody else's words, 
not on Christ's words, but on my own. I, I, I follow my own reasoning. I, I follow my own logic, my own intellect. I don't need somebody else to tell me how to live my life. Maybe that's you here today. That, that's, that is the, the common thinking in our day. I don't need anybody to tell me how to live. I'm intellectual. I'm educated. I, I use logic and, and reason to determine the best course of action according to what's right for me. I don't need anyone from the outside telling me how to live my life. I'm not building my life according to any idea or philosophy. I just follow my own wisdom. But I would submit to you, don't you see that that in and of itself is an idea? Don't you see that that in and of itself is a word? That in and of itself is a, a philosophical construct and a particular view of life that you are building your life upon. And you building your life upon yourself and what you think is best, hear me in this, you're building your life on shifting sand. And when the storms of life come, great will be the fall of your house, as Jesus said. I may not have convinced you to build your life upon Christ. I hope that I have. I hope that I've shown you there's no other way to live life but to build it upon Christ. But if I haven't, I want you to remember these words on the day your life comes crashing down, because it will. Remember these words, I chose to build on sand because I rejected Christ. Remember these words on that day. And on that day when everything has come crashing down and everything has wasted away, look to Christ. Look to Christ and live. Look to Christ on that day and find life, find forgiveness, find grace, and find mercy. On that day, look to Christ in faith and you will find a God who loves you and who will receive you. There may be some of you here today who you're coming in today in the midst of a storm in the midst of a life that is coming crashing down, look to Christ. Look to Christ in his word. Look to Christ in his payment for your sin. Look to Christ in, in his sacrifice, in his all-sufficient sacrifice. Look to Christ in his resurrection as he defeated the enemy of your soul, as he rose in victory from the dead. Look to Christ who promises to give new life to all who believe in him, who all trust in him. New life to all who will turn from sin and who will follow him and follow his word. Look to Christ and live. Christ has outlined throughout this entire sermon two ways of living. A binary choice. He showed us in verse 13 that there's two paths. There's the narrow path and there's the wide path. 
There's the narrow path that leads to life and the wide and easy path that leads to destruction. He's shown us that there's two fruits. There's good fruit and there's bad fruit. He showed us that there's two destinations. There is either heaven or there is hell at the end of this life. And he has shown us that there is two foundations. There is either his word or there is every other word, which is shifting sand. We live in a binary world because our world was made by a God who is holy. Our world is an expression of his nature and his character. Now we live in a culture today that rejects the idea of a binary anything because we live in a culture that rejects the God of creation. But God has shown us in his word that there is good and that there is evil, that there is true and that there is false. There is right, there is wrong. There is light, there is darkness. There is male and there is female. This is the way that God created the world, yet we see a culture that is at war with reality itself and the God who made it. But we as God's people, we must not buy into the lie that the serpent sold to Eve in the garden. There's another way. There's a third way. God gave them two options, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil that produces death. But Satan came and said, oh, there's a third way. You will not surely die. Your eyes will be opened. You will be like God himself. Listen, we as God's people must feast upon the tree of life. The tree of life represented by the cross of Christ. Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. We feast on Christ, not literally, but spiritually. That is the tree of life. We live in a culture that says there's a third way, there's a fourth way, there's there's many different ways to get to God. We as God's people must not buy in to the satanic idea of pluralism, which is simply polytheism, many gods. There is one way to live life. That is to hear Christ's words and do them. And this way of living establishes your life on a foundation that cannot be shaken. Every other way of living is living in a way that God will not bless, cannot bless. It's living in rebellion against God who created all things and has even given us the very lives that we live. This way of living that rejects the words of Christ is like building a house on sand and it will all come crumbling down one day. And this is why there is so much turmoil in our world and in our nation today. Because we have removed the foundation of God's word. We wanted the house without the foundation. We wanted the fruit 
without the root. And we were grossly mistaken to think that we could have the house without the rock. But we are finding now that without the rock, it all comes crashing down. And so we as God's people, we must not be ashamed of the gospel. We must not be ashamed that we build our lives on a solid rock, on a sure foundation. And everybody else out there building their life on sand, they think we're nuts. And we don't care. We have to not care. Because we're building our lives on a foundation that cannot be shaken. And when their house comes tumbling down, and it will, guess whose door they will beat upon? Those whose houses are still standing. Let us not be ashamed that we build our lives on solid rock. What a foolish thing to be ashamed of. But let us lay the foundations deep. Let us do the work of learning God's word and applying God's word and doing what Jesus says in our lives and seeking first the kingdom of God and going deeper and deeper and deeper till we plant our lives, our marriages, our relationships, our household, our occupation, our education, every area of our life firmly fixed on the sure word of God. Amen. It says that when Jesus finished preaching, the crowds were astonished. He took their breath away. They were sitting their mouths gaping open. They had just heard the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. No man had ever spoken like this man. And it says they were astonished because he spoke to them with authority. Jesus had said he was the judge who was standing at the end of history. Jesus had said his words were God's words. And he had claimed that his words were the words to live by. This amazed the people. This astonished the people. He was the word incarnate, the word made flesh. Delivering a word for all peoples, for all times, for all cultures, for all nations. The question that rises and that lies before all of us here this morning is, do we, like them, recognize his authority? Are we astonished at the authority of the word of God to the point where we submit our lives to it, to submit our lives to God? Do we hear the power in these words? Or do we just hear them like every other word? Some other take, some other guru. Yeah, that's one way to live life. There's many other different ones. Jesus says the option is not many, but the option is binary. The option is black and white. There are two ways to live. There are two foundations. And only one of them will stand in the end.
We must turn to Christ in faith and we must turn to Christ in obedience. Let's stand this morning. At this time, we're going to prepare to take the Lord's Supper. And as we come this morning, we're coming to the altar. We take this today as a response to God's Word. We have heard the Word of God. We have heard what Jesus said. Now is the great moment. This is a pivotal moment where we will either be the, the wise man who, who hears this and takes it and does it and applies it, or we will be the foolish man whose God's word goes in one ear and out the other. And as we respond today, as we come forward and, and as we take the, 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 the bread that represents the broken body of Christ and, and the juice that represents his blood shed for our sins... This is where we do business with God. This is where we come to the table in faith, saying, I believe, Jesus, that you died and that you rose again. I believe that I am forgiven of my sins and that you have called me out of darkness into, into life. I believe that you have filled me with your spirit, giving me the power to obey your word. And I am endeavoring to live a life for you. Amen. I'm endeavoring to, to plant my feet, my foundation on the solid rock of your word. This isn't just some dead, dry ritual. This isn't just an appetizer to get you ready for lunch. This is the meal. This is what we're here for, to feast upon Christ, not in a literal sense, but in a spiritual sense. And there is a real presence of Christ here when we gather in his name and for those who will look in faith, who will reach out in faith, you will receive from Christ today. And those who go through and just do a dead dry ritual, guess what you're going to find? A dead dry ritual. So come to the table today in response to the word of God. Come into the table today to do business with God and come to the table today in faith that you will meet with God. Father, we thank you today for your word and your work. Lord, without both, we would be eternally lost. But because of your all-sufficient work upon the cross and your inspired word that illuminates our lives, Lord, we have a life that is on a sure foundation. And though it will be tested and though we will go through storms, we thank you for the guarantee that our house will not come crashing down, but that it will stand. As we come to the table today, we come in faith in your word, trusting in your word. We thank you that you are here to meet with us as we meet with you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.